Thank you, worship team. You have truly glorified the Lord in praise and worship this morning. Lifted up Jesus. That's our main goal. The Bible says that if we lift him up, he will draw all men into himself. And that's happened this morning in the form of worship. He's been lifted up. He's been honored. He's been glorified. He's been worshipped, for he alone is worthy of worship. I'm so thankful to have been a part of that. It's good to be in God's house. Can you say amen? It's good to see each and every one of you, man. It's so refreshing when you're with God's people and God's presence and God's place. And uh, I needed that this morning. I'm so thankful for the power and presence of God that we've already experienced here today. Take your Bibles, turn to John chapter number 8 is what we're going to look at primarily this morning in just a little bit. Now, I want, to, I want to warn you, we're going to be skipping around a lot. So if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, uh, take notes. And what we don't get to um, as far as me turning there or you turning there and reading, then hopefully this week in your quiet time you can do so. I might not turn to every scripture, but I do want you to get these down. That way you know I'm telling you the truth, okay? Um, being in the ministry, being a pastor, I have the great privilege and opportunity of talking to a lot of people about a lot of different things. A lot that I speak about certainly concerns my faith and, um, you know, the truth concerning the Bible and theology, who God is, and I, I love talking about those things. Um, and a lot of what I talk to people about is just life experiences, you know, that, and how all of that ties in. And I enjoy doing that, love doing that. I, I, and I had somebody to call me last week and talking talking to me about a few things, and they said, brothers, we just didn't want to bother you. Well, folks, listen, you're not bothering me. That's what I'm here for. You know my number, use it. Hey, call me. If, I, if you don't get me, leave a message, text me. I'll get back with you. You know, I, I've got a lot going on throughout the day, but I'll get back with you. So I, I'm here for you if you need me. I want you to know that. But I, I, I just know a lot of times people feel a little bit apprehensive about talking to anybody about things that are really bothering them. Well, I don't want you to feel that way. I want you to know that I'll always be ready to listen when you're ready to talk. And, and I enjoy that. I really do. I know that's what the Lord has called me to. That's part of being a pastor. And I love that part of it. But I get to talk to a lot of people about a lot of different things. And talking to all these different people, I've come to find out two things to be true. And they're very important ones. Now, first of all, People give God credit a lot of times for things that, that God never does. They give God credit for things God had no part in. Let me give you an example. Just a few weeks ago, I was talking to a young man, and he began telling me about um, the position he was in at that time. He was in a very dark place, I'm telling you, in a very bad situation. You know, It was a very hurtful situation. And um, he went through all that had happened and what he did and what he didn't do and what he should have done and, and all kinds of different stuff, all right? And he gets to the end of that conversation and he says something that um, just really blew me away because I want you to realize the reason he was in the situation he is in, the reason he is in the bad stuff that he was having to go through, the reason all of that had happened was a direct result of decisions and choices that this young man made. That's what it was. How many of you understand this morning, your decisions matter? Your choices matter. I love Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 7. The scripture says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, 
that shall he reap. There is a law in this universe in which God has created that says none of us can get away from sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping states that what I sow, I will reap unto myself. I will reap some now, maybe, but I'll reap some later. See, my decisions not only affect me right now, and not only affect me individually, but it affects those around me now and hereafter. And that's true for all of us, especially if you're a husband or a father, a wife, a mother, uh, an employee or an employer. You, you're around people on a day-to-day basis that you care about. Listen, our decisions matter not just for us, but for others. You've got to know that. None of us escape the law of sowing and reaping. And everything that had happened bad in that young man's life was a direct result of poor choices. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I had empathy for him. And what I mean by that, I knew where he was coming from. All right? And I had compassion toward him. Let me tell you why. Because just like him, I too have made some poor choices. I too can look back in my life and see some things I absolutely regret. And I wish hadn't have happened. That's why I, when I tell you a lot of times about my past life, you know, about some of the decision choices that I made pre-Jesus, when I tell you that, I always be careful in saying, I'm not trying to give glory to that because I'm not. I regret that stuff. I don't want to go back to where I was. And and so I understood where the young man was coming from. I too have made some poor choices. And the truth is, all of you have too. You need to understand that. When you talk to people, none of us have the right to sit on our spiritual high horse and look down at anybody. When you minister to people, don't do that. You will be more of a problem than an answer. You will be a burden and not a blessing. When you sit on your spiritual high horse and look down on how bad everybody else is, it's amazing to me how we can hate sins that are not ours. But we do. And so I understood where the young man was coming from for I too have a past. I I too have regrets. I, I too have made poor choices. All of us have. See, some of you may be sitting here this morning and you're thinking while I'm saying this, in the course of this service, while we were worshiping, before you got here, I just don't know about this church thing. I don't know about following Jesus and I don't know about trusting in Him as Savior. I don't know about serving Him and giving Him my life. I mean, look at the things I've done. Look at where I've been. Look how I am. I actually had a man tell me one time, I was sharing the gospel with him, gave him the invitation to trust Jesus. You know what he says to me? Well, preacher, that may work for others, but I'm just not the church going type. So let me ask you, what is the church going type? What is it? Because the truth is, anybody in this building this morning that is saved is a sinner saved by grace. I'm talking about from the pulpit to the door, from the pulpit to the pew, wherever we are, who, whatever title we have, if we're saved, we are a sinner saved by grace. I'm telling you folks, you've got to know that. See, I once was lost, 
but now I've found. You see, folks, I once was in darkness, but I've been brought into the marvelous light of the Lord Jesus. I once was spiritually dead in trespasses and sins, but the Bible says I've been quickened and made alive with Jesus. I've been given eternal life that is abundant life. Amen? But I know where I was. And if you're saved, you know where you were. All of us do. So if you think you're too crooked to come to church, come on anyway. We're all just a bunch of crooked people being straightened out by the Word of God. Let me tell you something else. You ever heard somebody say, I ain't going down to that church that's full of hypocrites? Let me tell you something. You go to work with hypocrites. You go to the ball game with hypocrites. You go to the grocery store with hypocrites. And the truth is, there's a measure of hypocrisy in all of us. Why? Because all of us are sinners. Saved by grace. Growing in our faith if we have been saved. Are you getting me? Not that we want to be. It's just our human nature to do so. To be so. Are you getting me? So you can't make those excuses. But it, my, my thing is, look, we've all got a past. I've got a past. You've got a past. All of us have a past. The person sitting beside you has a past. We're just a bunch of mess, messed up people that God's fixing. If you think you're too messed up, you're not. Come join us. Amen. All right. So... This young man, he, he, he was talking about all this stuff. And then at the end of his statement, he said, but hey, it's God's will. I'll get through it. And I thought, dude, you've sat here for 30 minutes and told me all this stuff that you've done, decisions you've made or not made, and that now you're going to put it off on God. Let me tell you something, folks. When you go through bad times because of poor decisions, when you suffer the consequences of wrong actions, that's not on God, that's on you. When I suffer consequences of wrong actions, that's not on God, that's on me. So let's not give God credit for things God don't do. It's not God's will that that young man was in the shape he was in. It was God's will that that young man, first of all, trust in Jesus and then honor and glorify the Lord with his life. That's God's will. And let me go a step further in, 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 in this too. Because I, we've got young people all over this church that I want to speak to this morning. Not just the young people, but especially them with this certain point. Um, sometimes we feel like, I heard a man say one time, that someone was out building their testimony. Now what he meant by that, they were out living, living uh, like the world, doing things that were unpleasing to God. And, and somehow we've got this mindset or this idea that, People need to go out and do that. That way when they come back, their testimony can be more powerful. Listen, folks, child of God, young people, the world has nothing for you. Listen to me. Don't go out and live like the world. You can't reach the world living like them. You can't enjoy the joy of the Lord. You can't enjoy the purpose God has for you. You forfeit the peace God wants for you when you choose to go and live the way the world lives. And yes, you need to remember, your choices have consequences. Amen? 
for all of us. Not just our young people, but you need to hear that. See, the greatest testimony you can have is a testimony of steadfastness. Faithfulness. When someone trusts in the Lord and allows God to shine on them and shine through them His love to a dark and lost dying world, that's what makes all the difference. That's a life worth living. Don't think you've got to go out and sow your wild oats, so to, so to speak. No. The world's got nothing for you. Stick with Jesus. Love Jesus. Serve Jesus. Take it from me. You don't want what the world has to offer. Are you getting me? So the first thing is people give God credit for things that God don't do. Number two, the second thing, people say things the Bible said that the Bible never said. Happens all the time. Let me give you a big one. Let me give you a big one. And, and, and people will say things like that. We're all God's children. Now, even when I said that, I felt just a little bit of pushback. Let me tell you why. Because we want that to be true. And that sounds really good. And that gives us the warm and fuzzies on the inside. Makes us want to sit around the campfire and sing Kumbaya. Doesn't it? We, we, that's a, that's a, a fantastic thought when people say that it does make you feel good. I do want that to be true. And the truth is, God wants that to be true, but it's not true. We are not all God's children. I want to give you one main point this morning with six sub-points. And I'm going to do it very fast. Listen fast and I'll talk fast and we're going to work through this. Number one, I want you to get this now. We are all God's creation, but we are not all God's children. Let me give you some scripture on that. First of all, I want you to look in Colossians chapter number one. Keep your place there in John 8. We'll get back there in just a moment. But in Colossians chapter number one and verse number 16, the Apostle Paul says something here that is paramount. It's foundational for each and every one of us um, concerning what we know and believe about God. Colossians 1.16 tells us plainly, how, look, look how it puts this, for by Him were all things created. Everybody say all things. Again, church, what does all mean? It means all in the Greek. It means all in the Hebrew. It means all in the Aramaic. I'm going to tell you, you can't say it any other way besides all, everything. All things were created by Him. The Scripture says in Psalm 24, 1 and 2, write that Scripture down, go back and look at it. You're going to find there the psalmist told us that everything in the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to God. The Scripture tells us that the heavens are His throne and the earth is His footstool and everything that has been created, everything that has been made, has been made by Him and for Him. Look what it says. By Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him. See, what that Scripture is telling me and telling you, telling all of us, is that all things are under the sovereign control of God and ultimately everything, even you, even this, even your vehicle in the parking lot, all of it belongs to God. Every bit of it. All things. 
things are His. And He is, is in sovereign control of it all. We are created by Him. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and verse number 27. Look how it puts it. The, the Bible says there that God created man in His own image. Isn't that amazing? We are created, mankind is created in the image of God. What does that mean? Well, that simply means that we were created with a triune nature because God Himself is triune. We know the Bible teaches that God has revealed Himself to us in three distinct personalities. One God who has revealed Himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three distinct personalities, triune in nature. Now, God also has created pretty much everything else. They try you nature. He really has. I want you to think about it just a moment. God is outside of time. Therefore, He created time itself. You'll find that in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that He created the moon and the stars and the sun so that we might be able to tell days, months, seasons, and years. Can you say amen? God created time itself. What does time have? It's triune in nature as well. It has a past, it has a present, and it has a future. Now, God being outside of time, He created time, but God being outside of matter also created matter. What I'm telling you is, God is the uncaused cause, the unmoved mover. God is the one who spoke, and everything came into existence. And when He created by His spoken word, He created according to His nature. When we're talking about matter itself, matter is created triune. If you're going to measure matter, how do you measure it? Length, width, and breadth. Amen? Human beings, we also are created in the image of God. What do I mean by that? Well, we've got a soul... We've got a body, and we've got a spirit created in the image of God. It is with my body that I interact physically with other people who have bodies. If I walk up and I shake Brother Andy's hand, I can interact with him and he can interact with me. Why? Because we both have physical bodies. With my soul, I interact on an emotional intellectual or psychological level with other people who have souls. It's hard for me to interact. This may be shocking to you, but it's hard for me to interact intellectually with my dog. Now, I love my dog, but I can't sit down and have a deep conversation with him. It's kind of one-sided. I can talk about deep things to him, but he can't bring nothing back. Why? Because he don't have the soul like I got a soul. Amen? He has life, but he don't have that soul that is God-given. Are you getting me? So it's with the body we interact on a physical level, with the soul we interact on an emotional level with one another, but it's with our spirit that we interact with God because God is a what? Jesus said in John chapter number uh, 4 that those who worship the Lord must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Why? Because God is a spirit. So we must be made alive to the spirit if we're really going to be able to have communion with God, if you believe it, say amen. 
Our spirit must be made alive. Praise God. That's what happens when we trust in Jesus. That's why Ephesians 2 and 1 says, And you hath he quickened or made alive who were once dead in trespasses and sins. Pre-Jesus, before I trusted in Christ and received forgiveness for my sin that separated me from God, pre-Jesus, before I met him, I was dead to spiritual things. But when I trusted in Him, I was made alive by the Spirit. I was quickened. Amen. And now I can interact with God in heaven. Wow. Triune in nature. God, all things were created by Him and for Him. All the earth is His. We are created in the image of God. Yes. Isaiah 43 and 7 says that we are created for His glory. Everybody say glory. That's a tough word. I've thought about it all week because two, preparing for this message, two weeks ago we had a men's group meeting and uh, um, we talked a lot about what it means to glorify God and what the glory of God is. And... Uh, Brother Ben did a fantastic job teaching that class that night. And, and, and I really enjoyed that lesson. And I want to encourage you men, if you're looking for a men's group that you can get in and grow in, I'm not talking about just get in, I'm talking about get in and grow in. Grow to become the man that you want to be, the husband, the father that you want to be. If you want to have some like-minded men around you, that will encourage you, edify you, and help you to grow in your faith, why don't you get plugged into the men's group? Why don't you get faithful to it? I don't understand it, man. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. We put in all the water we can possibly put. Come get a drink. Come get a drink. Man, it's good. Talking about the glory of God. Now, I want to give you my definition of God's glory. And, and I, I boiled it down to, to the least, least I can possibly get it, to the most concise definition that I can understand. God's glory is the manifestation of His person. I believe that's exactly what God's glory is. When who He is is manifested. Amen? When Moses was in the tent of meeting with the Lord, the Bible says the Shekinah glory of God fell upon that place. Now, I don't know exactly what that looked like, but that was a physical manifestation of the spiritual presence of God Himself in that tent. What does it mean in Isaiah 43 and 7 that all of us, all human beings, were created for the glory of God? Listen, my job, your job, my purpose, and your purpose upon this earth is to manifest God's person in and through our lives. That's why the Bible told us in, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 that the, He created male and female, man and woman. He created both of them in the image of God. Listen to me now. And He said, be fruitful and multiply. What did He want? He wanted His image spread across the whole earth so that everywhere His creation went, who were created in His image, listen, were manifesting His person. Are you getting me? 
Now the bad news is man messed it up. God created man there in the garden, sinless and perfect. Adam and Eve enjoying the provision and protection of God in a perfect environment free of sin. But Adam chose to disobey God and therefore sin entered the world. He messed it up for himself, but he also messed it up for us. I mean, folks, when you look at me today, you're not really seeing what a man is actually supposed to be. And when I look at you, I'm not really seeing what a man or a woman is supposed to be. Let me tell you why. Sin's messed us up. Sin's messed us up. Let me see if I can put it to you like this. Let's say we went down to Ewan. And when we got down there, all the way down there, I'm telling you, I said, look, have you ever seen a train? I, 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 me and Brother Eric, we're headed to Ewan. And, and I look at Eric and I say, Eric, you ever seen a train? He said, no, man, I've never saw a train. I said, well, buddy, you are in luck today because I know where a train track is. And I know every day trains pass on that train track. We're going to go down and we're going to show you a train, all right? And so we're on our way to Gwen, and while we're down there, we're talking back and forth about the train, what we're going to see, what we're not going to see, what it does, what it don't do. And he's all fired up about seeing a train. For the first time, we get down there, and the train has crashed. And it's just wreckage all over the tracks and all over Gwen. Now let me ask you something. Has Eric seen a train? Somewhat. But not like it was created to be. Adam messed it up for himself and he messed it up for us. And now what we have are people who look a whole lot like the image of Adam instead of the image of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? But originally we were created in God's image. We are God's creation, created for His glory. But we are not all God's children. I don't want you falling for that lie of the enemy because that gives you false security if you don't know there's something that has to happen for you to be made a part of God's family. Satan would love for you to believe that you can just go on and live your life and do your thing and we're all the children of God. And man, we all going to feel good about it. And we'll just live however we want to live and do however we want to do. And we won't make any decision to follow Christ. And we're all God's children and when we die we'll go to heaven. That is not true according to the Word of God. It's not. And I'm going to give you three scriptures this morning that prove that. Now, listen to me. It's important that we know what God says and what He don't say. Would you agree with that? Now, I do want to give you some stuff that God does say. The, the Bible does say that we are all loved by God. John, uh, John 3.16, for God so loved who? When He's talking about the world, what's He talking about? Is he, is he talking about the world, the rocks, the rivers, and the trees, the physical, natural world that we look out these, I can look out these back uh, glass doors and see? No, he's not talking about that. Here he's talking about the world of humanity. He's talking about men, women, boys, and girls. He's talking about us. And if you want to make this verse personal, let me tell you how you make it personal. Just put your name where the word world is. For God so loved Israel that he 
gave his only begotten son. But for God so loved Andy, he forgave that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved Ben that he, he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved Steve that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved you, he gave his only begotten son. God loves all men. Let me give you another good one. We are not all God's children, but God wants us to be his children. Second Peter 3 and 9. The scripture says God is long-suffering and is not his will. Watch this now. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all, what's all mean? All men, women, boys, and girls. I'm talking about white men, black men, purple men, if there are any. He wants them to be saved too. Listen, I don't care if you're American, English, African. I don't care if you're Australian. I don't care if you're in the Western Hemisphere, the Eastern Hemisphere. I don't care if you're poor or you're, or you're rich. I don't care if you're good looking or ugly as sin. Listen to me. God wants you to be saved. You hear me? Whether you're on the top of the social ladder or on the bottom, God wants you to be saved. Whether you consider yourself a good person or a really bad person, God wants you to be saved. Whether you've got a terrible past or a great past, God wants you to be saved. It's not His will that anybody perishes. Isn't that good news? I love that. Let me give you another one. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. Watch what this says. 1 Timothy 3.6 Not a novice, lest anybody be lifted up with pride, he should fall in the combination of the devil. Go on to, uh, I'm sorry brother, it needs to be 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse number 6. <clears throat> I, I told you first, my, my apologies. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 6th verse. For of this sort there are they which creep into houses and lead captive women, silly laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. Let's go on. Forever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Regardless of your mindset, regardless of who you are or were, God wants you to be saved. But, God wants it. God desires that. But do you want it? Are you ready to receive it? Have you received the free gift of salvation? Now, three verses that tell us plainly that not all people are God's children. First comes from John chapter 8. Verses 34 through 41. I want to give you there uh, this statement. Your physical relationship to a man cannot and will not give you a spiritual relationship with God. Now, you go back and you read there in uh, John chapter 8, starting at verse 37, and you're going to find that the Jews were trying to say to Jesus, well, now wait a minute, he come talk, preaching the kingdom and how to be a part of the kingdom and what it really meant to be a child of God. And, and the whole time... The Jews kept saying, they, well, why are you speaking this to us? We are Abraham's children. We are descendants of Abraham. I mean, we can trace our lineage all the way back to the father of faith. So we are God's children. See, they believed that their physical relationship to their great-granddaddy, great-great-great-granddaddy, whatever the
whatever the case might be. Listen, they thought that made them God's children. And, and Jesus says, no, you're not my children. Your father is the devil. Let's look there. John chapter 8, verse number 37. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. Let's go on. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, if ye were Abraham's children... Do the works of Abraham, which are the works of faith. But now you seek to kill me. A man that hath told you the truth, which have heard of God, this did not Abraham. Now watch this next verse. I love it. You do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we have one father, even God. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. Jesus said, your father is actually the devil, spiritually speaking, because to really be a child of God, you've got to be born by the Spirit. And the only way you can be born again in the family of God by the Spirit is through trusting in Jesus the Son. And so listen to me, folks. You've got to get an understanding of this. We are not all the children of God. Only those, only those who've placed their faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin and trusted in Him for salvation, only those are God's children. You say, Brother, how do you know that? I know that from John chapter 1, verse number 11. Watch what the Bible tells us there. John chapter 1, in the 11th verse. He came unto his own, or meaning to the Jews, and his own received him not. But look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to do what? That word power in the Greek is the word exousia. Do you know what the word exousia means? It means the right to. To those who received him as Savior, to them gave him the right to become the sons of God. Listen, without receiving Jesus, you have no right to make yourself a child of God. It is only through a work of the Spirit that you receive the right to be called the sons of God. When you receive Christ. When you trust Him as Savior. Are you getting this this morning? If you are, say amen. Your relationship to a godly person, godly man or a godly woman, does not make you a child of God. Hey, I'm glad that your, your mother, your father, your grandma, your grandpa, your aunts, your uncles, I'm glad they were all good Christian people, but let me tell you something. God has no grandchildren. I'm not saved according to my father's faith or my grandpa's faith, just like the Jews wouldn't saved according to Abraham's faith. My relationship to a man physically cannot give me a relationship to God spiritually. That can only happen through a work of the Spirit. Amen? Let me give you another one. Keeping rules and regulations cannot make you a child of God. You say, oh, wait a minute, Brother Israel. I mean, I, I've heard all my life that, hey, good people go to, go to heaven and bad people go to hell. And, and the, reason, the way they determine who's good or who's bad is by the things they do or they don't do. Well, there's a modicum of truth in that, but it's not fully true. How many of you know? Listen to me now. That which is a little bit true is a whole lie. And if it's just a little bit right, it's pretty much wrong. So you've got to rightly divide the word of truth. You've got to rightly divide.
the Word of God. In Galatians chapter number 3, and starting in verse number 23, he's talking about being saved by faith and not by works of the law. That's what the whole book of Galatians is all about. All right? Galatians 3, 23, he says, But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto, unto the faith which should afterward be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. You see that? He says, Before salvation by faith was introduced through Jesus, before we received this new covenant that's a covenant of grace, we were under the law. And that law just showed us how much we needed Christ. Because the law showed us how holy God was and how unholy we are. I mean, God says, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not, uh, yeah, thou shalt honor your father and your mother. He tells us a lot of things we should do and a lot of the things we shouldn't do. And if we're all honest, we can look at our own lives and take inventory and say, you know what? I've done a lot of things that were against God's standards, some things he told me not to do. And I've done a lot of things or not done a lot of things that God told me to do. So I've either sinned by sin of commission or a sin of omission, but I'm a sinner. That's what the law shows you. It becomes our schoolmaster. Amen? And that schoolmaster teaches us that we need a Savior. We need God to do for us what we can't do. We need God's grace. Amen? Now watch. Verse 25. But after the faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster for you are all the children of God. Watch this now. How are we children of God? By faith in Christ Jesus. That's what makes you a child of God. When you place faith in Jesus. Have you done that? Have you received this free gift of salvation? I'm not asking about your mama, your grandpa. I'm not asking if you kept a set of rules and regulations. I'm asking you, has there been a time in your life when you know you place faith in Jesus and the God, the Holy Spirit, did a work on the inside that's made a difference on the outside. If not, you don't have the right to call yourself a child of God. But now remember what I told you. We are not all God's children. But listen to this. God wants you to be. He's not willing that any should perish. Are you hearing me? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Would you make the decision today to trust fully in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and be saved? If you want to be a child of God, that's how it happens. Amen? Everybody stand together. for you this morning I'm going to pray that God the Holy Spirit does the work that only He can do He's the one who draws us shows us our need for Him 
for me. And I'm going to that if you're God, that He did it for you. I'm going to pray that He won't give you a minute's rest until you make the decision to trust in Christ. Because it's that important. Your eternity hangs in the balance on the decision of whether you reject Christ or you trust in Christ as Savior. Don't play with your eternity this morning. Don't play games with it. The Bible says today is the day of salvation that tomorrow may be too late. The Bible says seek the Lord while He may be found. And I'm trusting that even right now, God's dealing with hearts that need to be found today. Listen to me. If you're a sinner, you can be saved by grace. Because you're listening to a sinner who was saved by grace. Jesus is able. Ready willing and able to save you today. You can become a part of God's family today. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. He'll take you too. The Bible says that He will in no wise cast out anybody who comes to Himself. If you'll come to Him, He'll receive you you do it today. If you already are saved, then maybe you just need to come to this altar and pray. For those who are not, for those in your family, friends, whatever the case may be. Let me pray for you real quick. We're going to have invitation more close. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Make this truth real to those that are hearing this message this morning. And I'm asking if there be one here that needs to be saved. Holy Spirit, Draw them under under yourself, Lord. I'm praying that you would convict them. And Father, we're praying that you would do the work that only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. These altars are always open. If you need to be born again this morning and you know what, I'm going to come, I want you to come and and just tell me just that. Now again, walking this aisle don't save you. I can certainly not save you, but I can share with you in the Word of God what it means to truly call upon the Lord for the forgiveness of your sin and you can be born again right here today. Don't you want that? You can have that right here today. Don't wait. Don't wait. You come on this first stanza. Brother, play for us, please. Oh.